0: It's June in Beirut. A white saloon car comes to a swift halt outside the Ethiopian embassy in the southwest of the city. A woman climbs out, and the car speeds off. The Ethiopian woman is one of the many domestic workers being abandoned by the employers. This is Beyond the Headlines. I'm your host, Sohail Akram. And this week we visit Lebanon and Ethiopia to ask why are dozens of domestic workers being abandoned on the streets? And will they get any help? In October 2019, facing an economic crisis, Lebanon issued a raft of new taxes, including a headline-grabbing tax on WhatsApp calls. The move triggered a wave of protests across Lebanon. Since then, the economic crisis in the country has deepened. The Lebanese lira or pound has dropped nearly 70% in value against the dollar. More than 45% of the population are now living under the poverty line and unemployment is rising rapidly. The addition of the coronavirus pandemic has made the situation even worse. There are over 250,000 foreign domestic workers in the country, with Ethiopians being by far the largest nationality.
1: I came here because I want to travel back to my home. Why? Because I have a daughter and I have no work. I have no house. I have nothing. Where shall I stay?
0: That was Berke Angelo, a domestic worker waiting outside the Ethiopian consulate in Lebanon. Employers say they can no longer afford to pay their domestic help, nor can they afford to buy the women a flight ticket to their home country. On top of that, there is now a quarantine charge for the women when they land in Ethiopia. At the start of June, after a group of women were abandoned on the street outside their embassy, they ended up sleeping on the road. Activists mounted a campaign and shared videos on social media. The Ministry of Labour got involved and the women were moved to a shelter. But this led to an unintended consequence. It's given more employers the idea to dump their staff. We spoke to Sagarida Brihanu, an activist with Enya Lenya, an Ethiopian organization that helps women and domestic workers in Lebanon.
2: I think the Ministry of Labour, they moved them to the hotel. So after they moved to a hotel, they, uh, they go to the Caritas shelter. When they see this... The employers, they are saying like, oh, if I take you to the to your embassy, your embassy will help you to go to hotel. You will stay in a hotel, after that like you will travel back to your country. Also the employers, they keep throwing, bringing and throwing like garbage, bringing, you know, like, you don't do this, you know. We are human beings. She was the one who was helping and cleaning inside their house. She deserved to be, you know, treating good. You just use and not paying her salary and throwing in front of the consulate, you know, you know, this is shame. You don't do it to someone like this. If you cannot afford a ticket or something, you know, at least you can wait and tell her, at least she can use your house and food, you know, until everything goes OK.
0: Even before this, domestic workers faced dire conditions. General Security, one of the country's most powerful security bodies, said in 2018, that an average of two domestic workers had died every week in Lebanon over the previous 18 months. The situation is so bad that in 2008, the Ethiopian government banned its citizens from traveling to Lebanon for work. But still, many found ways to get around the rules. Ali Alameen is president of the Syndicate of Recruitment Agencies in Lebanon. This ban, what they call it ban, made the situation worse. Because they made a ban, and, and, they, and they know
1: their people, they want to keep coming to work. And instead of making ban,
0: which they should have sit and discussed and make agreements, how to make things better. But unfortunately, when, you are, when we are negotiating these countries, it will take three, four, five years, nobody cares. And they know
2: they are coming.
0: While well, governments do nothing to enforce the ban, the economic allure of working abroad is compelling. Samuel Getachew, a journalist based in Addis Ababa, has been following the cases of the domestic workers and speaking to some of the women who have managed to return home. He explains that the opportunities in Ethiopia for these women are limited.
1: Ethiopia has no minimum wage. Uh, many of these young women uh, have no education. I can guarantee you there won't be paid uh, even 10% of that uh, what they would make in these countries. But many of them are coming from outside of uh, Addis Ababa in the small towns and villages and so on. They've been recruited by agencies um, and they pay them a hefty sum of money for them to be transported to these countries. Many of them uh, dropped out of school uh, in order to try to make money. And, you know, when you speak to them, they always tell you that a cousin or a friend who went to these countries and made enough money and supported the family, educated the young siblings, uh, bought the house for the family and that kind of stuff. But it's a rare success story. Um, and many of them haven't even finished uh, high school.
0: When these women become domestic workers, their rights are written into their contracts. They include being paid monthly, receiving one day of a week, getting six days annual leave, and a ticket home at the end of the contract. But these rules are not always implemented and the workers have little to no recourse if their employer does not uphold the contract. Sigur Brihanu says the women are hired under the kafala system which ties workers' legal residency to their contract with their employers. This limits domestic workers in their choice of employers and prevents them from terminating contracts without also terminating their legal residency. The system has been criticized by human rights organizations as denying workers standard labor rights and a door to greater abuse as workers fare for their livelihoods if they challenge their sponsors.
2: You know, under the kafala system, uh, it is a system that controls you. I mean, they have right to do whatever they want. They have right on, on, like, on somebody, you know. They make you to work for years without salary. And they will keep you undocumented for years. After that, they they will accuse you. She stole me gold, money, and even you will end up in jail. So they have right to do on you whatever they want because of you know their system that they like it and that's comfortable for them.
0: Segirada says there's a way to redress the balance.
2: They have to punish one, you know, one employer. You don't just bring someone and throw in front of the consulate. You are responsible, by the way, so they have to punish. If they punish one, they will not do this. But in this country, they don't. Have, they don't punish. Even if if you if you do anything, if you are if you are Lebanese, they don't punish you. Even if you are doing something wrong, it's it's wrong what they are doing. You don't you don't like you don't make someone work for you for years and without paying her salary and throwing in front of the consulate.
0: For most of the abandoned women, their employers cannot pay them. They had no money, and the Ethiopian embassy is telling them it will cost hundreds of dollars to return home and then be quarantined in line with the COVID-19 safety measures. Samuel says, for some, this means a reversal of the support they intended to give their family back home. Some of them, they were sent money by their families uh, in
1: Ethiopia. Uh, you know, the family, the father, the mom, they, they would sell their livestock uh, in order to send money. And uh, you know, some of them would just rent their house, even sell their houses in order to have them come back to Ethiopia. Um, and it's just, um, it's like going a circle. Uh, you know, they can't even um, support themselves yet. They're being forced to sell whatever they have in order to bring their families back home.
0: But Samuel says there is at least some hope. Just like in Lebanon, momentum on social media has caused some action.
1: There's a flight that just that came a week ago, uh, and many of them were charged um, about 600 US dollars to come to Ethiopia, uh, and there was a social media backlash uh, saying they were being exploited by the government. So the government decided to return the money to them uh, only because of uh, you know the reaction they received uh, from the public. You know, Ethiopian Airlines is owned by the government; it's not a private agency. Um, you know, once. Uh, you name yourself a government agency. Your purpose is to serve the public, uh, and this is, um, I think, uh, a big moment for them to even have Ethiopians embrace a pride of uh, Ethiopia that has been successful for a while, and to for the airline to pay back that respect Ethiopians have given them by supporting Ethiopians where they at when when they happen to be at their lowest.
0: But that assistance has not extended back to those in Lebanon. The women who are still waiting, sleeping on the scraps of cardboard, surrounded by bags of belongings. And Nest International said some of the women were dropped off without their passports and urged the Ministry of Labour, the Ministry of Social Affairs and the Ministry of Interior to act. But on June the 3rd, the embassy announced it was suspending services. Every day, the number of women outside the building rises. The doors remain closed and the ambassador is nowhere to be seen. The embassy has a shelter for women fleeing abusive employers, but the consulate's head of communication, Bafard Dengila, said the embassy had asked the Lebanese authorities to intervene and blamed employers. He added that the consulate could not let the women stay in the shelter as they had not been tested for COVID-19. So, whose responsibility is to care for these women? At present, the only reprieve is from ordinary citizens. This is Samuel Gattachoum.
1: I mean, you must have seen images of uh, the Ethiopians in Lebanon. Once they're just dropped, they're just homeless. Uh, It's just private citizens that are helping them or feeding them. Uh, And many of them are just stuck because some of them can't even afford to pay about $1,500 that they need to come to Ethiopia and be quarantined. Uh, A plane ticket has jumped, it's almost 700 US dollars, the cheapest, Uh, and to be quarantined, it's another 800 dollars, and many of these people haven't even been paid.
0: Activist Sagirada Burhanu from Enya Lenya Besedet says the organization does what it can to assist, but it has limitations.
2: Uh, for example, if I live alone, I can afford to keep two people with me and make this. Like when we bring girls, like we put each in different house, and we know, and we provide uh, house rent and foods as well. I mean, we we cannot able to have shelter. It's a crime. Even in this in this country, even organizing is a crime. They don't allow us to organize because we are domestic workers. We don't have the right to organize. For me. Uh, not just for me, for all of us. It's scary what's happening, because uh, we will get tired even helping, you know, because uh, now I'm tired s- physically, mentally, because, you know, we carry this 50-kilogram rise and stuff. We do s- distribution. And also, like, mentally always hearing people's problems, you know. Some, c- they come and cry on you. When they tell you their problem, you know, like, "Oh my God, what's happening?"
0: And the greater global community, through social media and donations, are trying to pitch in.
1: Ethiopians uh, who are abroad are raising money uh, through GoFundMe. They've raised, um, you know, quite a bit of resources to be help, to be able to help them. Uh, and Ethiopians are organizing to help them within Ethiopia once they finish their quarantine uh, period in Ethiopia, the two weeks uh, that the government requires them to be quarantined. Uh, but many Ethiopians are worried that the Ethiopians that are stuck in Lebanon don't have the money, the resources to come to Ethiopia and receive the kind of support money Ethiopians are willing to provide them uh, because they have to pay the Ethiopian government. The embassy has to be collect enough money for them to be transported, Uh, while more than, I think, $100,000, the last GoFundMe I checked, has been raised. It's uh, when you consider the kinds of need there is, and not just in Lebanon, but many of these countries, it's just, uh, you know, uh, it doesn't even touch the real uh, hardship that are felt by this young, mostly young women.
0: The fundraiser Samuel is talking about is by founder of Enya Lenya Besedet, a woman named Banchi Yimir, a former domestic worker herself who has raised over 60,000 Canadian dollars so far for this cause. So there is some hope that these women will receive the help they needed to return home. But returning home will not end their financial difficulties.
1: You know they've worked in this country for maybe two three four years um, and in order to pay the agency that took them there and also support the family. So many of them can they have to be trained Uh, You know, all these UN agencies and the Ethiopian government has been telling them, don't go to those countries, you know, stay in Ethiopia and work in Ethiopia. But the unemployed rate in Ethiopia is very high, Uh, despite the claim that Ethiopia is the biggest economy in Africa. It's a nation of uh, more than 110 million people. Uh, And the safety net
0: that you need to sustain this kind of population is huge. Some of the women that have left Ethiopia are burdened by debts they owe to unscrupulous agencies who charge the women to find them work. The ones I spoke to
1: owe money to agencies. Uh, some of them have haven't even touched the loan they've taken on behalf of their, of their families, uh, and they can't if they cannot pay it. Uh, you know, there's no Ethiopia as a country that has no minimum wage. So it's a cash 22 for many, many of these people. Uh, and uh, the poverty that uh, you see among them, even some of them are just scared. Uh, you know, they're unsure what's going to happen to them, uh, especially if you if owe money and if you cannot afford to pay it. Uh, it's a scary moment. It's an uncertain future for many of them.
0: This was Samuel Getichu. Segurada has one piece of advice for women considering coming to Lebanon for work.
2: My advice is you can make money in your country, you can work in your country, just use your time, use your brain and don't stop your education, be creative. Because the reality and the expectation are way different. What they expect, the people who live inside Ethiopia, they think we are living a best life. No, we are living the worst life in this country.
0: This is Beyond the Headlines. I'm your host Sohail Akram. Thank you to Sagirada Burhanu, Samuel Gedichow and Ali Alami. This week's show was produced by Arthur Edison, Taylor Heyman and Aisha Khan. Our reporter on the ground in Lebanon is Sineva Rose. For more episodes or to subscribe to Beyond the Headlines, visit the podcast section of the national.ae or tap the subscribe button in your favorite podcasting app.